0: We're brought here today by the love that Sarah and Davis share for each other.
1: We're going to be so happy.
0: We'll be so happy. I'm gonna crush it at being a husband. I really hope she looks like her picture. Pete says she has a good personality. That's a red flag. Davis! (laughs) Whoa, that is one beautiful personality.
1: Cutie alert. Thank Thank you, Pete. Pete.
0: Uh, sorry, I, uh, oh sorry, I got you a latte. Oh. I hope you like it.
1: Thanks, latte. <laughs> Why did I just say that?
0: <laughs> Quick, say something.
1: Oh, yeah, that's dairy. Probably shouldn't immediately correct him.
0: T- uh, so do you... sports? Failure.
1: Yeah, I love golf. What? No, I don't.
0: I hate golf. Uh, me too, yes. I love with the chipping and the putting birdies.
1: Nope, tweet, tweet. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself. Um, so what are you looking for in, in a relationship? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna die alone. Uh,
0: oh, um, you know, it's, an uh, um.
1: Someone just like me.
0: Someone who's just kind of their own person.
1: Someone pretty adventurous.
0: Someone who likes to stay at home.
1: Someone who'll just listen to me.
0: Someone who doesn't talk too much.
1: Someone who isn't intimidated by how much money I make.
0: Somebody who doesn't mind how little money I make.
1: He looks like a good dad.
0: Hope she doesn't want kids, like, soon. Um, you know, it's, a uh, like another person.
1: Oh, that's me. I mean, me too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I love her. Yeah. Wow, time flew by. <laughs> it's over? Think fast. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, you gotta, uh, do you want me to, huh? maybe. Should I give her a hug? Is that weird? <laughs> no. Okay. No, kiss. H- okay. No wait, oh my gosh, what do I do? S- uh, this is great. What is, is it happening? It? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Ew, it smells good. <laughs> well, i just see you. Well, you messed that up.
1: It's okay, we'll crush our second date. So yeah, this, those have been some fun bumpers in this series. And um, we are on week three of these series. We're gonna review week one and two in a second here, but we're gonna start um, By one of the fun things we've been doing this series, we collected photos of couples in the church and asked for their marriage advice. So we're going to start with Brian and Jeanette LaGrass today. Yeah, all right. If you know them, they were babies. (coughs) They got married on my due date with my first. Isn't that fun? 14 years married. 15. All right, so their advice is patience. Disagreements are going to happen. Try to remember that your spouse most likely has good intentions. That's Brian and Jeanette's advice. And then the next couple is Brian and Joan Kerr. Yeah. And their advice is, I love this one. if you can wait, if you can wait to talk, talk in the morning instead of the middle of the night. <laughs> I like that one, and you know what, is that we actually went through that in our first year of marriage, because Chris is like, you're not supposed to let the sun go down in your anger. I was like, I'm going to get more angry if you keep talking to me, because I want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it in the morning. <coughs> <coughs> All right, I'm going to be a little quiet, because my voice is not doing really awesome today. So, um, in our series that we're in what happy couples know our first week ben talked about these things that were in this box that he had called my hopes my dreams and my desires and the idea that we all bring into marriage our hopes dreams and desires whether we realize it or not we do Some of those things are really tangible things like we've talked about. We bring in, you know, our idea of, um, you know, what we want marriage to look like. So are we going to be a one-income family, a two-income family? How are we going to spend our money? Are we going to have kids? Are we not going to have kids if we have kids? How many kids are we going to have? Are we going to buy a house? Are we going to rent a house? Are we going to live near my family are we going to live near your family? Are we going to live near no one's family? Um, You know, exactly what does that look like? And so those things, you know, maybe we can wrap our minds around a little bit, um, but we also bring into uh, our marriage um, intangible things, Um, and I'm just going to read off some of these things, let them kind of sink in, think about these, um, respected, desired, admired, cherished, protected, defended, trusted, prioritized, pursued, attracted to. All right, so we bring in tangible things, but we also bring in intangible things, probably things, expectations that we don't even realize are there. So, the word I just use, expectations, is so often my hopes, my dreams, and my desires, um, when they are unfulfilled in some way, they easily become expectations. All right, and their expectations make what's meant to be enjoyable, like our marriage, and they make it transactional. It's a you give, I give, you take, I take. We're, we're taking um, notes here. We're keeping, keeping score on who gave last, who took last, that kind of thing, right? And so the, the tough thing about a transactional marriage is quite often the person who's the best negotiator, the dominant personality, wins most of the time. And when I win, we lose, right? When you win, we lose because together we need to figure this out, all right? And then in week two, um, we talked about this whole idea of mutual submission. We concluded that our hopes, dreams, and to keep our hopes and dreams, desires from becoming expectations, we need to decide that our significant other does not owe us anything, all right? We want our marriage to become a submission competition because when it's all about, you know, who went last, who took last, it becomes a tug of war, right? And what we want to do is drop our end of the rope. We've got to stop this tug of war of um, this expectation game, and we need to actually play a new game called submission competition. All right? And today's title of the sermon is a fun one. Sometimes you have to throw things. (laughs) So when you hear that title, as did I when Ben told it to me, I thought I was going to have to talk about um, conflict resolution which I am super glad I don't have to talk about, actually. That is not what we're talking about today. If you want to learn about conflict resolution, next Saturday is for you, so sign up for that workshop because it's going to be really, really helpful. But what exactly are we throwing, and who are we throwing these things at? Um, we are going to look at the words of Apostle Peter today um, in First Peter. Pete, who was Peter? Peter was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, and not only was he one of the 12, but he was one of the inner three Jesus had a group of three that he was especially tight with. Um, we know, if you know the Bible at all, that Peter was a bit of a hothead. He had a tendency to run off at the mouth. Um, but, uh, and when Jesus went to the, right before Jesus went to the cross, he actually denied having even known Jesus. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he was one of the first to witness the empty tomb. And ultimately, he gave his life, um, spreading the good news of Jesus um, in in that time period, so I think what Peter has to say to us is something worth listening to because it's in the Bible, and um, he's got a lot to say there, but uh, before we get into exactly what Peter has to say, let's talk about the flip side of the coin here, all right, so if we're not doing this submission competition, if we're not learning how to throw things, the right things to the right people, um, what what are our other options, all right, so let's look at what some of those options are. Um, the first option is we can just ignore our hopes, dreams, and desires altogether. Stuff them down, take that box, put it in the closet. Um, just give and, give and give and give and give and give and give. And in the end, the uh, the bad thing is you are going to end up a really unhealthy person, and ultimately your marriage or your relationship is going to end up really unhealthy as well. All right. So we do not just want to ignore. This is not a good option. What's another option? Maybe just stay busy. I think we're all really good at this, especially in today's culture, um, we just get ourselves really, really busy. Um, busy at work, busy with the kids, busy with our, ex- our CrossFit gym, whatever it is that we're getting ourselves busy with, right? We're just going to get ourselves busy so that we don't have to face um, these unmet expectations head on. And finally, you could just find someone else. Doesn't sound like a great option. In fact, I kind of want to go two directions with this (coughs) because I'm the children's minister and this is where my mind always goes is to children. And I think quite often that someone else that we can put these hope, dreams, and expectations on would be our kids. I think sometimes when our spouses are not fulfilling our hope, dreams, and expectations, the marriage wasn't what we would hope it was gonna be. We just focus, especially moms, on our kids and we put all our hopes, dreams, and our expectations on them. And that is a really unfair thing to do to children. Um, another thing is just to find someone else to be in a relationship with. The biggest problem with that is wherever you go, you're there. <laughs> and so since you were part of the problem to begin with, you are just bringing all those unmet expectations, hopes, dreams, and desires into this new relationship because you're not getting into the new relationship to play the submission competition because you just want somebody else to submit to. It's because you have these unmet um, expectations that you are now wanting to put on someone else. So that's not necessarily um, the best option either. All right, so these options are not our good options. What is it that we're supposed to do? Um, we are going to look at 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7 today, and we're just going to impact it kind of statement by statement here today. All right, the first, it starts out like, that. Um, we're actually going to start at the second sentence of 1 Peter 5, 5. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. So what does that look like? It looks like go small. It looks like go others first. All right, humble. I mean, I don't think any of us are walking around saying, yeah, I'm a pretty arrogant person and I'm cool with that, right? I mean, I, no, I think if we are honest, we say, yeah, I'm a pretty humble person. I mean, everybody likes to think they're a humble person, right? The problem is actions speak louder than words. So what are your actions speaking in your relationships? Um, in your relationships with your spouse or relationships, your relationship with other? Um, back up just a second because one of the things that's really cool about this text and we are using it in the marriage context today, but it's actually n- not necessarily just for the marriage context. So if you're in the room today and you're like, this, mar- this sermon is not for me because I am not married and I'm not in a relationship. If you are a human being, this talk is actually for you because this scripture is applicable to all people in terms of how God wants us to live our life, all right? It's a great application in our relationships and in our marriages, but it applies to everyone too. All right, so let's do this activity together, All right? We're going to ask this question. We're going to say, what would a humble person do? Can you say that with me? What would a humble person do? So next time, you're ready to go toe-to-toe with someone because your expectations are not being met for some reason, I want you to say that out loud in your head or out loud. You know, what would a humble person do? How can my actions, how can the next step that I take reflect that I'm a humble person? All right, and so why? Why do we wanna do this? We wanna do this because, this is the rest of the verse here, because God opposes the proud. You might be like, really? The Bible talks about people that God opposes? God opposes people? But think about it. Do, you, do we like proud people? Do we like people who are entitled and demanding and just suck the life out of us? No, we don't. And God doesn't either. All right? He, so, um, but there is an amazing promise that comes at the end of that statement here. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All right, that's an extraordinary promise that God is going to be there to give us what we need in that moment when we humble ourselves before him and we humble ourselves in this relationship all right, that he's going to give us what we need in that moment. All right, humility ultimately is an invitation to God. When we humble ourselves, he can lift us up. All right, so the next verse is going to talk about that. Uh, It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, under his hand. Now, not like a, not a heavy hand, not like a parent disciplining a child or something like that. It's actually, it's a protective, it's like an umbrella. Okay, we're under his hand. All right, and not only are we under his hand, but then the rest of that statement says that he may lift you up in due time. So not only are we under his hand, under his protection, but he's actually holding us in his hand. So when we humble ourselves, he can lift us up in his time. I think that's a pretty exciting um, promise, a really, really cool picture of what God wants to do for us when we humble ourselves. All right, so what does it mean to go humble? How do we do that? And um it comes down to the title of our sermon and what it is that we're going to do with these things that we're throwing. And verse seven tells us: it says, "Cast all your anxiety on Him, because these hopes, dreams, and desires, these unmet, unmet expectations, can turn into anxiety for us. Right? Life is not going the way that we wanted life to go, or well, the way we expected it to grow, go. As hard as I'm trying to control things." It is not going my way. And that turns into anxiety. But God wants us to take those things, those things that are in our box, and he wants us to unpack them with him. He wants us to throw those things at him. Not at our spouse, not at our kids, not at our coworker, not at the person at the grocery store. He wants us to throw it on him, to cast all of our anxiety on him. And why? Because he cares for you. He's got this protection over you. He's lifting you up in his hand. He wants you to cast the all on him because he cares for you. So exactly how do we do this? And I think one of the best things that we can do, the best thing that we can practice in doing this is prayer. So what does, again, that not look like? It looks like not praying polite prayers, right? Because we're angry, we're fed up, our expectations are not being met, our anxiety is ramped up, and we are there. We don't talk nice to other people. And you know what? God's saying, bring it to me. So when you bring it to him, it doesn't have to be polite. And that's okay, because God is big enough to handle what it is that you need to say to him. He's given you permission to bring it to him, to say it to him. So bring it to him. Say it to him. It does not have to be polite, all right? And it doesn't have to be a formal prayer. I know some of us, that's how we grew up, learning to pray, We're formal prayers. And there's a time and a place for that in your life. But it's probably not when you're angry and you need to cast your anxieties somewhere else. You're going to need to be honest, All right, we need to pray honest prayers. We need to tell God what we're dealing with and let Him help us unpack that. All right, and I also think when we're praying, posture matters. Um, You know, most of us are taught to pray like this we close our eyes, we bow our heads, we fold our hands. But in this type of prayer, when you are casting your anxieties on Him, all right, these are the things that are messing up your relationships big time. When you need to be, get honest with him, you need to probably change your posture even in prayer. All right, I'm going to recommend maybe even falling on your knees, right? Why do we fall on our knees? Because falling on our knees is a sign of surrender, right? These things in our box that are making us crazy now, we need to fall on our knees before God, and we need to surrender those things to him. And then maybe we need to raise our hands. I know I love to see people raise their hands in worship. There's such, such a beautiful picture. And who else? Who else raises their hands? Who goes like this? children, right? And so there's something in raising our hands to God, to looking up to him, you know, picture a child, there's a trust there, right? A child doesn't put their hands up you to hold if they don't trust you, all right? So when we do that, when we lift our hands to God, we are saying, I trust you, I am going to cast my anxieties on you because I know you care for me, I know that you are going to help me through this, you are going to take care of this for me, Alright, so let's get on our knees, let's raise our hands, let's get in a posture of full surrender to God. Because the truth of the matter is, if it's important to you, it's important to your Heavenly Father. He wants you to be honest with Him about what you're going through and what you're dealing with. Alright? And the really cool thing as we start to unpack these things with God is a lot of times we start to see the things in our box differently. Because God helps us unpack those things that are in our box because maybe we were playing the comparison game or maybe we brought baggage from a previous relationship or from our childhood, and that has helped to form these hopes, dreams, and desires. But as we give them to him, as he helps us unpack them, we're going to start to see those things in the box for what they are. And if they don't need to be there, he's going to help us unpack them and get them out of there. But he's also going to fill our box with what are now becoming his hopes, dreams, and desires for us. One of my favorite quotes, I'm probably not getting the quote perfectly right, but it's the idea of this book called Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. And I remember hearing this early in our marriage, um, but it's the whole idea that marriage was not designed to make you happy, but to make you holy. And the truth of the matter is, it's when we get into those marriages and when the friction starts and when those unmet expectations start to rise, and we choose to take it to God instead of unpacking it on our spouse, um, and he starts to mold and to shape and to unpack those hopes, dreams, and desires and fill them with his hopes and dreams and desires for our life, the truth of the matter is we become more holy. We become more like him. So if if you're in a marriage to another Christian, you're doing this together, that's a beautiful thing. If you happen to be, as we say sometimes, spiritually single, you're the only Christian in this marriage, you can still do this, guys. Um, you can, your marriage can still make you more holy as you surrender to God, even if your spouse is not in the same place as you you can still do this. You can still surrender to God and do the submission competition and all of those things. All right. And another favorite um, quote I have comes from Reggie Joyner. He's the creator of Orange, All Things Orange, um, the curriculum that we use here, our family ministry philosophy that we have. And he said he recommends changing your focus from a better picture to a bigger story. And I think so many times those things in our box are things that w- are really our idea of the better picture. We want that picture-perfect marriage. We want that picture-perfect life. But the truth of the matter is, it's, it, 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 it's a race you're not going to win. <laughs> All right, God, what he really wants for us is a bigger story. And the bigger story is living out his hopes, dreams, and desires for our life. It's living his bigger story. All right, I'm going to put a picture of my spouse and I up there. And I acknowledge the beautiful flowers that were delivered to me here at church this morning, actually, because Chris is <laughs> cause Chris is on a baseball field this morning with our with one of our boys, two of our boys, actually. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, we have not done this perfectly by uh, any stretch of the imagination. We are in our 19th year of marriage. We'll celebrate soon. Some of you are far beyond me on that. You could have give this talk way better than i i have people in my life like my grandparents got to celebrate 75 years of marriage before my grandmother passed away a few years ago my mom and dad were getting ready to celebrate 50 coming up here soon so i know there are people who have lived a lot more years of marriage than we have and god willing we'll get to celebrate a lot of years like that too but in our 19 years we've had uh, you know some great opportunities to practice this to get it wrong to have some really knock down drag out fights but yet to watch God mold and shape us um, into the people that he's created us to be, to turn our hopes, dreams, and desires into the ones that he has for us. Um, and Part of that story is our opportunity to be a part of RCC. In 2001, so we hadn't even been married a year, we moved to New England, because Chris, um, strange sort of calling it sounds like, but he felt God calling him out of vocational ministry and into the public sector and education that he really felt like that's where God wanted him and he could use him the most. So we moved to New England for Chris to pursue further education here. And at that time, uh, this team of people were getting ready to start a church here in Salem, New Hampshire, and they invited me to be a part of that staff. And so since um, 2001, I have been on the staff here in the role of children's ministry, family ministry. I've worn a lot of different hats over the years, but God has blessed me um, tremendously. Over those years as well, we, um, you know, career changes and lots of school years of education and walking the road with the church. We've also added four children to our family. Um, One of our desires from the very beginning was to grow our family. Um, We knew we wanted a lot of kids I came from a family of four, and that's definitely what I wanted. Um, And God blessed us with um, biological children, but we also knew we'd like to grow our family through adoption, so in November, we brought our son home um, from China through adoption, and that has been a definitely um, making us more holy experience. It's been a really, really beautiful experience, and we love him very much. Um, God's hand has been all over that. But in that process, um, you know, Chris and I have been reflecting on what is best for our family, what is that bigger picture, what is God doing in our midst, and I have come to the point where I have realized that I need to focus all of my energies at home um, for a season, and so I am resigning my position as the director of family ministry here at the church, and I'm super thankful to Ben to give me the opportunity to talk to you guys about that this morning, Um, but I really feel like it fits with this talk, too, just God molding and shaping who we are and who he wants us to be, and sometimes that means, yeah, um, go, turning in a different direction or even taking a season of rest, and so that is what um, I'm going to do for the next year as I focus on our family and things like that. Um, God has really blessed us in our time, our years, 18 years of serving here at the church. A uh, guy gave me this illustration again. Um, you know, I always think children. I think parenting, and you know, I was there when this church was born. There may be some of you in this room who were. I was there on the on her birth, in November of 2001, and it was a really beautiful experience. And the whole 18 years have really been quite beautiful. I got to be there for those toddler intense setup teardown, <laughs> hardcore, toddler years. I got to be there for the sweet what I call the elementary years, you know, when we settled into Five Industrial Way and God was just building our ministry in the community um, and building his church here. Honestly, I call the last three to five years those teen years. We've been through a lot of changes as a church if you've been here for them. Some of you are new and you're like, I have no idea what she's talking about. But there's an 18 years worth of history here. um, And, you know, we've been through a lot of staff changes, facility changes, lots and lots of changes. But I feel like at this point, at 18 years, God has positioned us so beautifully to continue to be a light shining here in this community. We've built trust in this community. Um, a lot of you are here today because of that. Um, we're I'm. Chris and I and the Snyder family, we're not going anywhere. We're here, and we're really, really excited for the future of RCC, and we just want to do what's best for RCC at the same time as we're doing what's best for our family. We really believe that this decision is one that allows both those things to happen. We really think it's what's best for our family and for RCC. So I'm going to invite Ben up, because he's going to talk a little bit more about that in the future.